Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Going Coastal podcast, the podcast of the Students and New Professionals chapter of the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association, hosted by the American Shoreline Podcast Network. I'm one of your co-hosts, John Miller, and this month I'll be going it alone. On this episode, we welcome Ms. Susan Brodeur, Senior Coastal Engineer with the Orange County Parks in California, and Mr. Brandon Hill, a Coastal Resources Manager for the City of Galveston, Texas. Our guests are two of the three co-chairs of the upcoming 2022 ASBPA Coastal Summit, which will be held virtually later this month. Let's welcome Susan and Brandon. Great to have you here. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much, John. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. So uh, one of the things that we like to do is, you know, not before we jump into the, the main topic is to learn a little bit more about our guests. So um, I guess, I'll, I'll, Susan, I'll start with you and I'll just ask you to uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career and maybe how you became involved with ASPPA. Sure. So let's see, starting from the beginning, uh, I have a degree in ocean engineering from Florida Atlantic University. Um, following graduation, I got a job at Moffett Nickel in Long Beach, California. Uh, switched over to the county about 19 years ago and have um, been here ever since. Um, I uh, started being interested in ASBPA at Moffett Nickel. I joined the California chapter. Uh, was secretary for a long time and then have is I'm now past president of that organization and still contribute and I'm on the board um, for the California Shore and Beach Preservation Association and am now on the board of the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association. Wow, that's great. You've been involved with ASBPA for, for quite some time or CSBPA, I guess, in California. Um, it's great to great to hear of that that involvement. Um uh, how about yourself, Brandon? Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your career path and kind of uh, your involvement with ASBPA? Yes, I transferred down to A&M Galveston uh, in 2012, which was the first year I became introduced to the Texas chapter of ASBPA by my research advisor. And that year they took us down to the city of South Padre Island for a uh, symposium and I presented a poster and ended up uh, placing first with with my poster that year. We uh, from there on out I was hooked and I told my advisor that one day I wanted to be on the board of directors for ASBPA. Uh, When I graduated with my master's in marine resource management I started working for the city of South Padre Island, where I uh, became a board member for the Texas chapter of ASBPA. Um, And I then went on to work for AECOM as a coastal environmental planner. And I now run the coastal division for the city of Galveston, uh, where I came and did my education. So, uh, and as of last year, I was... uh, uh, I became a, uh, a director on, on the board of directors for ASBPA. So I finally uh, hit that goal that I set for myself back in 2012. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, I actually remember that South Padre uh, conference. Uh, it was one of my favorite ASBPA conferences. And for anybody who 
has not had a chance yet to attend one of the National Coastal Conferences, I highly recommend it. Um, ASBPA conferences are certainly a lot of fun, um, but also really, really informative. And I actually remember looking at posters and I probably visited your poster and I thought to myself, what is sargassum? Or I had never heard that. I'm more <laughs> on the, the engineering side. And it was, it was, it was, it was kind of interesting. Um, so I did want to ask you, Brandon, I noticed that um, I believe you have your certified coastal practitioner uh, certification. Is that correct? That's yes. All right. Yep, that's correct. Can you, can you tell me, tell us a little bit of, tell me a little bit about that, uh, that experience? Yeah, I started that path uh, while I was still in school, I went as I was attending uh, the the national um, the national conferences, and as I was attending the coastal summit, I would take each of those classes. Any whatever they offered, I was taking. I've I've taken a couple of them more than once, uh, just because I wanted to continue to absorb some of that some of that knowledge. Whatever they were offering, I would sign up, and I was ecstatic when they started offering uh, the courses online. And I actually knocked out all the rest of them that uh, that I had missed that I needed to to be able to have my cert, uh, certification in a matter of a couple of weeks, and I did that because I, for a very long time, had wanted to be able to say that I was a certified coastal practitioner and be able to point people towards the professional organization that that ASBPA really is. And it's, it's been a great little uh, set of letters to be able to, you know, put behind my title. I just, I, I think that it, it adds a little bit of credence to the fact that uh, beach nerds are a bunch of professionals that we uh, do a, a, do have a very diverse background of knowledge. And um, it's one of my favorite things about, it kind of exemplifies what I love about coastal resource management, which is in order to do this job, you kind of need to be a professional in about 12 different fields. Uh, and, 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 and it, it just shows folks that, you know, we, we, we have an idea of what we're talking about and we, uh, we, we're here to serve as a, as a resource for them. Wow. You should, uh, you should write the description for the, uh, website. Uh, I remember, I remember many years ago, I remember sitting around the board of directors table when the uh, certified coastal practitioner um, was being discussed and uh, pretty much exactly what you said is, is, is the way that it was pitched. You know, this, this uh, certification that shows that we are professionals, we do have this specialized understanding and, and man, you hit it right on the head. So good job by the board back then uh, approving that. And uh, great to hear that you're sort of, and of, of course, I'm sure that the coastal engineering module was probably one of your favorite ones. Yeah. You know, uh, I have never been gifted in math and I remember feeling like I, I didn't know that time could move quite that slow, <laughs> but I really did do my best to pay attention and, uh, you know, I didn't fail the, the, the little test at the end and, and really that's what matters. Yeah. It was probably, it was probably terrible instructors on the uh, coastal engineering part of that. And, and I, and I say that because I was one of the instructors for that portion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I don't think, I don't think that there's an easy way to teach engineering to somebody whose mind doesn't work that way. But the fact of the matter is I survived it and I don't have nightmares about it nowadays. So I think all in all, you succeeded. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I feel the same way when we get into the policy discussions. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> on a, have the other opposite, opposite experience here. Um, so Susan, um, am I, am I correct? Do you have your PE? Yes, I do. Civil engineering. And then I just recently got the, um, Envision sustainability practitioner certification through, uh, ASCE. Well, I think that's, you know, I think that's, I think that's great to hear. I think, um, you know, uh, the, the PE is, is one of the things that, um, it, it's interesting for us coastal engineers, um, uh, because there's not a coastal engineering PE per se. Um, but I do think it's very valuable. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe how it's valuable in your career? Sure. Yeah. It, um, was a little bit difficult to achieve because it is the civil engineering exam and many, many of my courses weren't, uh, you know, I didn't have any courses in traffic or anything like that. So a lot of it was a new learning experience, but um, definitely has helped me in my career. Once I achieved receiving that certification, then, you know, the doors were pretty much open and, you know, the sky's the limit. I just, I guess, just recognizing the professional engineer behind your name. So I would highly recommend, um, you know, pursuing that if someone can, and even in the coastal engineering profession. Yeah, I think, you know, I think just one of the things I, I guess that is important to, I think, relay to our audience, the students and, and new professionals out there is that, you know, there are these uh, various certifications and they do, they can play an important role in your career as it progresses. And, you know, whether it's a professional engineering license or uh, the accompany uh, diplomat of coastal engineering uh, certification or the certified coastal practitioner uh, that we just spoke about. Um, I think all of these tools or these, these, these things are valuable. Um, and again, just demonstrate in, you know, one way or another, um, that certain specialization or that um, achievement um, in, in in the field. So I think uh, certainly a message for all of those uh, students and new professionals are to you know go after those uh, those certifications and 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 really prove that you are uh, you know what you're doing. Um, so um, I have to ask you, um, having served uh, as a co-chair of one of the national conferences. And realizing how much work it is, uh, I guess the question is: Are you certifiably nuts uh, in that you volunteered to uh, to co-chair the, the the summit this year? What 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 made you uh, decide to volunteer? Yeah, probably part nuts, I guess. Um, but you know, working with the team on the board of ASBPA, I mean, it's pretty much a smooth running machine. They know what they're doing um, and just participating um, as far as, um, you know, volunteering time and effort uh, because it's always well worth it. You know, you bring these people together and, um, you know, there's good conversations to be had. You meet new people, you find out, you know, you're not alone on, uh, you know, your efforts to, whatever it is to get funding or uh, technology or whatever issues, uh, policy changes. It just, um, it's always well worth it to when, when these events occur. 
So, um, again, uh, not just getting the certifications behind your name, but I also think it's important to uh, participate in professional organizations uh, just enhances your career and in the long run. Yeah. How about yourself, Brandon? You know, I, I had the opportunity to uh, co-chair the coastal summit a few years back and things have changed since then in terms of both the individuals uh, on staff that we're working with these days and the, just the, the, the way that the summit itself looks, you know, in person versus the, um, the, the virtual model that, that we're having to use these days. But one thing that really hasn't changed is the fact that the ASBPA staff is world-class. Um, the people that they have on staff who facilitate all of our gatherings and all of our interactions they make it so easy. Um, it, it really just goes to show that when you get somebody who is incredibly good at their job, that is also interested in making a organization outside of themselves successful, that, that there's a lot you can do um, with, with a limited number of people and, and uh, just volunteer hours. And it's, it's an honor. Um, to be able to be part of it and to help plan and to help bring in some speakers. And just, I, I think that one of my favorite things about the ASBPA gatherings is it's some of the brightest minds in the coastal world all getting together just to really enjoy being together and celebrate the work that we do. And uh, the, the staff, that facilitates these projects uh, really makes that an, an easy thing to be a part of. Yeah. And, and that is something that I would definitely echo from, from my experience uh, as a co-chair of one of the, the, the conferences, I think, you know, a theme that we've uh, come across and discussed in, you know, various ways, whether it's starting up a student chapter several months ago uh, to volunteering for these conferences, I think that the theme of, uh, of many hands making light work. Um, I think that rings especially true uh, when it comes to planning some of these events and being involved. And I think, you know, one of the certain, certainly one of the things that is great about an organization like ASPPA is that there are so many people that are willing to get involved and, uh, and kind of push these, these things. So, uh, so I would definitely think there's lots of opportunities for people to become involved and, uh, you know, Certainly, uh, it doesn't need to be a Herculean task, uh, you know, to, to volunteer for one of these things. So it's 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 great to it's great to hear that, and and you know, well, thank you in advance for uh, all the work that you've put into uh, planning this coastal summit. So, with that being said, um, let's talk a little bit about the coastal summit. Um, uh, I guess first of all, what what is a coastal summit? What makes it different from sort of a normal traditional coastal conference? Well, I think what makes it different is um, it brings together all the uh, different experts on the various topics. Um, so not only the uh, policy side, um, but people doing the work um, in the uh, you know funding side, 
the agencies that get included. Uh, it also uh, adds the technical and science aspect, and it just kind of melds it all together. And, um, you know, then everybody after the summit kind of goes back and does their, uh, you know, uh, can relate to their own expertise and, you know, push the envelope for uh, whatever they're, they're doing. So I, I think that to me is the biggest um, thrill. I mean, definitely being in um, DC in person, it's a little bit different, but um, I think also virtual brings together a, a different aspect where you feel like you, you're, um, you don't have to necessarily rush around, but you can uh, see the breadth and depth of all the people that have been invited and presented and um, even the opportunities to uh, share in the various um, kind of chat rooms. So to me, that's the, the difference for the summit from other typical you know, meetings or conferences. So for me, I think what makes the coastal summit stand out from the traditional coastal conferences that occur every year is that when we get together for the summit, we really are focused on the professionals that are interrelated with the sciences and the engineering, but are probably not all that familiar uh, with the nitty gritty, with the details of what it is that we do. We, you know, the, the time that we spend up in DC and, and even the time that we spend together virtually, it's focused on some of the biggest variables that feed into the legal and policy and agency scaffolding upon which we build our professional work life. And that's a fascinating opportunity uh, when, when you look at it, that that we have the opportunity not just to get together and talk with a bunch of other, you know, coastal professionals, but that we have an entire summit focused on how do we make sure that we are representing ourselves well in this world? How do we make sure that we're bringing the players that are in DC or that are influencing these agencies or these um, policies, how do we make sure that we're bringing them into our midst and interjecting um, coastal issues throughout these conversations? It's just a very excellent um, outward focused effort that we have annually that I think really sets, sets us apart. And it's, an exciting uh, thing to be able to take a, a part of. I have to admit, I've, I've been to uh, probably a handful of coastal summits now. And, you know, certainly before my first experience, I was, I would say a, a mixture of um, really not understanding, um, you know, really why I was going to be there. I was a bit nervous being in that environment. I'm a you know, I'm an academic, I'm fine standing in front of a classroom, I'm fine giving lectures in large audiences. But, you know, for some reason, to me, there was something intimidating uh, about being in DC, um, in that environment, in this coastal summit, in this very much policy environment. So 
I guess the question is, you know, for somebody who might be apprehensive about attending something like the summit, um, what kind of, what kind of, what can you say to kind of sort of put them at ease and, and, and make them feel like it'll be a comfortable experience for them? It's interesting you say that. Cause I kind of felt the same thing, you know, being a fish out of water in the, um, well, one being in the opposite coast and in the kind of the room where it happens and being in um, DC and visiting the, uh, you know, the various uh, elected officials and trying to, you know, relay your message. It it is pretty intimidating, um, especially doing those site visits or or the, um, the visits. But um, I would say, um, you know, don't be intimidated. Uh, there, uh, a lot of people willing to learn from you too. So, um, you know, there is a message out there that I think needs to be, um, portrayed. Um, and I will also like to give a plug for our, um, for Julie Minerva. She is so excellent at breaking things down into understandable, um, snippets that, um, you know, I think it's just, um, easy to, uh, well, easier to understand, um, and just encourage everybody to, um, step out of their comfort zone a little bit and, um, and maybe take it slow at first, but, uh, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff there and something for everybody and not to be intimidated. Yeah, I I remember the first time I walked into the Capitol and there's something about being just in the city of DC or in some of those offices where you feel almost like you've been transported to uh, another time and certainly another place. It always feels very European uh, with the architecture and the marble stone everywhere and you know, you, you look at the stairs and you see the, the worn places where, you know, thousands of tr- shoes have trod before you. And, and, and it can be intimidating. It can be this moment of uh, how, how exactly did I get here and what was it I was supposed to talk about again? But uh, in my experiences, not just the staffers, but even <laughs> the elected officials, at the end of the day, they're all people just like you trying to do the best that they can at their job. And when you approach them in a way that makes it clear that what you're trying to do is to make their job easier or make them look good or improve their understanding of something, uh, typically people are receptive to that sort of help and oftentimes that's what we're doing when we're visiting uh, agencies or when we're calling up our, our representative. What we're doing is we're trying to say, hi, I'm a professional in this field and there's something I feel like you need to know. And that's that's all we can do sometimes is just make them aware of some piece of knowledge that maybe they didn't have access to previously. And, and it gives them the opportunity to then take action on it and try and make a a beneficial difference in the world with what you've given them. 
And and in in DC, anytime you're having interactions like these, there is always a relational aspect to every conversation. So you you they're all they're all people just trying to do the best at their job and they're looking for opportunities to benefit from whatever it is that that you're telling them about. So if you're going to go and you're sitting down with somebody's office, try and put yourself in their position and think about what the information is that you're sharing and how they will be able to take action on it and help them see very clearly their best path forward and how it'll work out well for them. And, and you'll find that folks are a lot more receptive to, uh, to learning things that way. Yeah. I think that, I think, I think you hit on it and that was, that was one of my, I guess, impressions once I got over my fear factor. Uh, well, two things, one, the, you know, the folks at ASBPA, um, you know, that put these things together certainly made it a lot, uh, easier for those of us that were new at it, right. They kind of hold your hand and kind of walk you through and, um, you know, you can learn a lot just by, you know, observing and watching and listening. Um, but then the thing that you just hit on Brandon is the, you know, the opportunity that exists. Um, you know, I think it's a great opportunity for us to, uh, bring awareness to a lot of the issues that we work on, whether we're consulting engineers or academics or local officials. Um, and that opportunity doesn't exist all the time in, in you know, in everyday life. So uh, I do think it's a great opportunity to bring awareness to these issues, to talk to the agencies, to talk to the elected officials. Um, and you know, I can certainly say from my own experiences, I walked away, um, you know, with a new respect, uh, for the whole experience. Um, and I, I, I guess, I, I guess, you know, in terms of whether or not you find it valuable, I can say since I attended my first coastal summit, I've been to everyone since. Right. So I think there's, there's something, something to be said for that, right. You know, you'll keep going back if it's not valuable. Um, so this year's event is going to be a virtual, uh, event. So, um, can you tell us a little bit for those of us who may have been at summits before how the, the virtual event differs uh, from a traditional coastal summit? So um, the virtual uh, it, it's similar. I, I think it's um, well, I guess the original difference is uh, you know, the timing um, you know, being on the West coast, it's always uh, a track to get to the opposite coast and get on the time zone. And so I think they've done a good job about the timing of the event and then packing in the, um, the stellar presentations. Um, there are several invited, um, people that are just at the top of their organization. So even on day one, um, you know, the assistant secretary of the army for civil works, uh, and, uh, is invited to speak. And, uh, Mitch Landrew, who, um, has been the working on the bipartisan infrastructure bill. I mean, um, you know, just presentation after presentation and then, um, open discussions. Um, and then, you know, I think they've tried really hard instead of the, because they normally do the agency visit, but setting up the um, specific uh, rooms to allow people to sign up to attend some of the agency visit visits is a, is a little bit 
different, but it's still really impactful and um, just fitting it all to these uh, couple days of power packed um, presentations and, um, you know, just the, the level of expertise of, of the speakers um, will be exciting again this year, um, either virtually or in person. Yeah, I, I think that what we lose in face-to-face interactions and hallway time, we do gain in the number of people that are able to attend. Uh, there are so many people that are able to zoom in to a meeting like this that wouldn't typically be able to fly out to D.C. for this sort of meeting. And there's also a certain level of accessibility that's granted by a keyboard um, where you may not typically be the person to raise your hand in front of the assistant secretary um, of the army uh, in a a room with him. You you could have the opportunity to enter a question into the chat and and communicate with folks in a way that that typically you you may not normally uh, I think that the in the in the world that we live in now I don't see us ever going back to a fully in-person meeting style and, and this is just across the board I think that hybrid um, meetings are, are going to be the standard moving forward because uh, that allows for a greater amount of accessibility from uh, all around, not just the, the United States, but around the world. And I, I am so happy that our, our leadership at ASBPA has embraced the technologies that, that have come into fruition throughout this uh, time period in, in the world. And I think that it, it does, uh, as Susan mentioned, um, it, it, the timing of the meeting itself works out so that really you can participate in some massively important conversations and influential meetings. And it's still really only a, a very small portion of your day for three days. And I think that that's great. Yeah. I, I think that's a great way to look at it, right? In this, in this, in this world where things are, are constantly changing, just the you know, embracing sort of the opportunity and in, in turning, you know, taking lemons and turning them into to lemonade. And I think, I think one of the uh, first uh, events that, uh, that I was supposed to attend that was impacted by COVID was the uh, coastal summit a few years ago. Um, and, you know, that, you know, got turned on its head in a matter of weeks. And uh, even that event was held virtually and, uh, you know, the ability to, you know, turn on a dime and pivot and put on this, um, great event, you know, last minute, um, at a time before we really knew kind of all of this great technology and, and how to do it. I think, um, you know, I'm not sure who was the, who, who was involved with that, uh, summit, but that was an amazing job. Um, certainly I think everything we've learned has probably made your job much easier. Um, now that we're more familiar with the technology and the way that these, virtual events run and know that they can be successful. Um, so is there a, a particular uh, theme for this year's Coastal Summit? Yes, it's called uh, Future of Coastal Infrastructure Investments is the theme of the 
uh, Coastal Summit 2022. And, I, you know, I, I think the thinking behind that is, you know, we've just had this massive um, infrastructure bill passed and being able to um, learn how some of this funding will be uh, disseminated through the different agencies and how they're working through their planning to roll out this money to um, eventually get it to the, you know, the regions and the stakeholders that have these projects planned um, is uh, really important at this time that um, that's why the, the future of these investments is key to, uh, you know, getting our um, targeted, it, putting this money into action and um, how it will best impact uh, the coasts and address the coastal resiliency. Um, so um, that was the idea behind the theme. Yeah, that theming couldn't be... Uh... Couldn't be more appropriate. And again, just thinking of thinking about opportunities, um, you know, opportunities to to listen and learn, and to uh, um, uh, you know, I think there's a there's there's a lot of opportunity that's going to be out there. And I think uh, again, just a great uh, great chance to hear from the people that are going to be making those decisions, uh, potentially influence some of those decisions. Um, you know, great job on uh, selecting that that theme. So I have a question, I guess, which is a little bit specific to our audience or our, uh, I guess, our, our backing here, the students and new professionals. So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a graduate student or I'm a young professional and, um, you know, I'm thinking about attending the summit. You know, what, you know, for somebody who's, you know, particularly a, a younger professional or a, a graduate student, you know, are there any specific benefits to attending something like the summit? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still consider myself a young professional and the, one of the, one of the things that has really opened my eyes was this summit in terms of the amount of work that gets done by policymakers and by elected officials that then has massive impacts on what it is that we do on a daily basis. And, and by we, I mean scientists and, and managers and uh, researchers. It, it is incredibly influential, whether it be through funding streams or setting priorities for agencies. And whether you find that this sort of interaction is your cup of tea um, whether or not it's in your wheelhouse, I think it is, is very helpful to understand what's going on behind the scenes, to understand when people start talking about a word of bill, what does that actually mean for your day-to-day, -day, uh, life and for, for your career? Um, I, I teach a class at A&M Galveston, uh, that is focused on, coastal community management. And one of the things that we talk about is how the levels of government actually play a huge role in the household realities of our communities. Um, somebody might not look out at their backyard um, 
or look out at the beach and think about the levels of government and bureaucracy and policy that has gone into shaping that piece of land into what it is. But whether or not you think about it, it's there. And that's one of the things that I feel like the summit does a really good job of helping folks understand is those various levels of government, the various agencies that have a role in establishing these priorities and how it shapes what it is that we're doing on, on the ground level. That's true. It, it is uh, impactful to um, even everybody, even early in their careers. I mean, I, I work for a public agency and we get questions all the time from the general public um, about some of their pet projects or issues that they want to see addressed. And to be able to um, understand how uh, the coastal policies are are shaped or even having, um, you know, a piece to influence the outcome of coastal policies is really helpful. Um, We have... um, some uh, session talking about the uh, FEMA brick grant, the um, building resilience in communities and having just applied for one of those grants, you know, we could see um, a lot of the issues um, just even with the application process and, um, you know, being able to provide feedback or, um, you know, um, being able to be, in the know of what's coming out uh, next and how these uh, will eventually roll out or just even the general, um, you know, atmosphere of how uh, people are doing business these days, even from, uh, you know, the various agencies or regulatory agencies um, is just really helpful to anyone in any stage of their career. No, I think that that is so true. And even just from the academic, you know, standpoint, um, you know, attending something like the summit and seeing how the decisions are made and what types of things are influencing the decision, um, where the money's going and how it's flowing there and and why. And, you know, it it, it helps you understand uh, more as a researcher you know, how do my ideas, how do the things that I'm working on get put into practice, right? So how is this ultimately going to make a difference? Um, and I think certainly something like the summit gives you that benefit of that perspective. I think, uh, you know, I had a student at one point that uh, got a Canals fellowship from uh, Sea Grant and had the opportunity to work in DC for a year. Um, when she came back, you know, it was almost like, you know, her blind, her mind was blown, um, you know, with this a newfound understanding of, okay, it's not just a good idea. It's not just this really cool, really smart research, right? Like it's, how do you translate that? How does that, you know, get into the communities? How does that make a difference? Um, you know, which I think, you know, I think all of us, right, regardless of whether we're on the academic side or the consulting side or the government side, at the end of the day, right, a lot of it comes back to, you know, how are we helping communities along the coast, Um you know, how are we protecting the environment? How are we protecting those economies, right? That's kind of that common goal and common objective. And I think, again, this Coastal Summit, by bringing together groups of people um, from various sides, um, really uh, helps 
hammer home sort of that message of, of how things actually get done. Um, so, um, so I guess I have some, some questions that are a little bit more, uh, general, um, that have to do with, uh, advice for students and new professionals kind of beginning out their, uh, their career journey. So do you have any specific, uh, advice with regards to people that may want to get into, uh, the career path that, that you've chosen? Um, uh, I guess, Brandon, I'll start with you. Yeah. So what I do oftentimes is act like a bridge. I take folks from very diverse backgrounds and I help them see some common ground and, and get there together. And I'd say that one of the best things that you can do and, and one of the keys to the, the success that I've had thus far in, in my young career has been diversify your skill set. Uh, don't, don't let yourself get pigeonholed into, into one thing too early on in your career, because I guarantee you that we all have one thing that we're pretty darn good at, but if you really want to be able to be flexible in today's market, you need to be pretty okay at a couple other things too. And so that, that's the first thing. But then the other one would be, um, find that thing that you are pretty darn good at and really figure out a way to market that. So for me, I have always been a talker. Uh, you go back to the letters that my parents got when I was in elementary school and almost every <laughs> single one of them from my teacher says, you know, Brandon would not stop talking today in class. Uh, please tell him to stop uh, disrupting. And uh, I've made a career out of it now because I, I found that I could use my love of communication to help take very difficult to understand scientific subjects and make them something that the public would want to hear about en masse. And so I, I invested in, in finding a way to take advantage of that thing for me. But then I also, I also pursued a lot of things that I wasn't as good at. I mean, you know, I dove into, um, softwares that, that I didn't flourish in as soon as I started, but I really taught myself to use them. I, I learned about other skill sets and, and, um, uh, approaches that, they weren't directly related into things that I was incredibly interested in, but they allowed me to uh, come at problems with a, a different approach. I, I went and uh, another little thing I tell my students all the time is, is you should try and, and never stop chasing the letters. Don't stop chasing those certificates and those, um, those, those pieces of paper that give you a few more letters behind your name. Because each one of those represents another skill in your in your toolbox that you can pull out in a situation and, and maybe apply a small thing that you learned in order to make another problem much easier than it would be if you didn't have that uh, in in your repertoire. That's good. Yeah, I uh, 
wholeheartedly agree on all those points. Um, and then uh, just to add, you know, don't say no either. Be willing to uh, invest yourself in various um, organizations or topics or groups, um, uh, you know, to expand your knowledge. Um, you know, early in my career, my, my dad was a civil engineer and he thought it was sort of uh, pigeonholing a little bit just to, you know, focus on the ocean and the, the coast and, um, you know, wetlands and things like that. But it has uh, brought me, um, uh, you know, to the West Coast and involved in a, a wide array of projects and um, topics that I never thought, you know, I would ever be involved in. But um, uh, it's always been exciting. Um, even somebody asked me today uh, at the gym class, you know, oh, what what do you do? And I told him I'm a coastal engineer. And he, uh, you know, of course, it's always like, oh, well, what's that? You know, some people think it's marine biology or something like that. And just to say that, you know, I, I still love my job. Um, you know, I think that's um, ha has a lot to be said, too, because I know a lot of people have you know, the, the climate now is to, to jump around and, you know, uh, always, um, you know, look for something better. But, um, I said, my job is still fun. Um, and I enjoy it just because it is so varied and all the different, um, people that I get to meet. Um, you know, I'm also on more of the, um, trying to the coordination and putting different, people and things together, you know, knowing where to find the, the top scientists or the universities doing the latest research um, and just, you know, being able to apply that and, and incorporate it into um, the, the designs and, and elements of different projects is pretty exciting. I think you're, I think you're being nice. I think everybody who, uh, talks to a coastal engineer, thinks a coastal engineer is a marine biologist. That's at least that's what that's the sense that I get. But um, but yeah, you, you're echoing a lot of the things, a lot of the themes that we've heard from many of our our guests here on on this uh, on on this podcast. You know, the the opportunity, embracing opportunities, be willing to challenge yourself, um, identifying your passion. Don't be afraid of your passion. If your passion is the coast, if your passion is the shore. Um, you know, it's okay. You're not you're not alone. There is a there is a career path for you and. And, you know, Brandon, something you said about, you know, the uh, sort of embracing these opportunities to learn as a, as a, as a professor, that's something that, um, you know, um, I love to hear you say that, you know, lifelong opportunities to learn. Um, and I think that's certainly something that is, uh, leads to success and regardless of your career path. So I want to give you each, uh, one at a time, one last opportunity to give me perhaps the best reason that you have for attending the Coastal Summit. Okay, well, I think the answer is that there's so many reasons. Um, there's a range of topics uh, related to, um, you know, policy, funding, regulation, research. Um, there's something, it's a smorgasbord for everybody. Um, and, you know, kind of from like the Hamilton play, just uh, be there 
um, when it happens or, you know, at the most, um, uh, the, the top levels to be able to hear from people making it happen and being able to, um, also, uh, express how, um, and influence how, um, things can make your job easier or better. Yeah, John, I think the reason, the best reason to attend the Coastal Summit is because you have the opportunity to. This Coastal Summit gives everyone the chance to get together and not only discuss these complex and and variety of topics that Susan just mentioned, but it's that opportunity that our organization gives us to interact with people who have massive sway over what it is that we do. And it's not canceled. The fact that we still can get together virtually and have this meeting is incredible. And for me, I think that's that's the reason you've got to go is because you can go virtually and it's going to be just as influential and just as an incredible experience as if we were in DC. And it's fun. There's fun built in. There's uh, conversations with uh, happy hour um, and games uh, that will also make it a really fun opportunity. So don't miss it. And it's certainly something that's consistent with, uh, I guess, the ASBPA philosophy, right? When we get together, whether it's for summits or for conferences, there is a whole lot of high-level intellectual discussion that occurs, great interactions, um, but there's also that camaraderie, that fun uh, element that's always built in. So uh, it sounds like this is this year's Coastal Summit is going to be no different. So I think with that... Um, I'd just like to thank Susan and Brandon for being here with us and chatting about the ASPPA Coastal Summit. I'd like to thank them for being involved, stepping up and volunteering um, to be co-chairs of this year's summit and putting a a great program together. Uh, As a reminder for our listeners, uh, registration for the Coastal Summit is open at ASPPA.org. And the early bird registration deadline actually goes through March 15th. So if you haven't registered yet, please register before that early bird deadline. Uh, Also some other announcements related to ASBPA, the call for abstracts for the 2022 National Coastal Conference in Long Beach, California is gonna open up on March 15th as well. So keep that date in mind. And finally, nominations for ASBPA's Best Restored Beach are currently open. Uh, and those nominations will be open through April 30th of this year. So get your nominations in for Best Restored Beach. And with that, I'd just like to thank everybody for tuning in once again to this month's episode of Going Coastal. And we'll talk to everyone soon. Thank you. Thank you.